0: Good to see y'all, my name is Chris, I'm the teaching pastor here at the Upper Room Fellowship. Uh, Today I don't have a a real deep teaching, hope you're not looking for a real deep teaching today. Today I just want to talk about the character of Jesus, the, the Lord that we serve and follow. Okay, and so for the past few weeks we've kind of talked about these dinners and these parties that we see in the Bible, and what we've seen is this, it's a thread that runs through the Gospels, and that is Jesus loved to eat, didn't he? Uh, and we connect with this as a culture because, frankly, we love to eat, too. We love food. Uh, amen. We love food so much we have people that call themselves foodies, which are people I think that eat food as a hobby. I think that's what that is. We have people who take pictures of their food, post it to Instagram. Uh, but, but Jesus loved to eat with people. In Luke seven thirty four, it says that the Son of Man came eating and drinking. Why do you, why do you say that? because that was the primary method that he used to connect with those he came to seek and save. And here's why. Because the religious system that Jesus was born into and the religious systems of today can make people feel very far from God. Because religious systems can be summed up like this. If you behave like us and you believe like us, then you belong with us. So in other words, if you do the things We do. If you act right, if you act like this, if you believe like this, meaning you say the right things, you think the right things, you have the exact right, same theology, the same right, exact doctrine, then you can belong. Then you can be one of us. So that summed up the religious system of Jesus' day and today, honestly. Behave, believe, and then you can belong. And so this is why Jesus came eating and drinking, because to share a meal with someone in Jesus' day demonstrated who you belonged with. And Jesus loved to eat with people. Some of them were pretty rough. These people didn't believe or behave the way the religious leaders wanted them to. So in the Ragamuffin Gospel, this book, uh, Brennan Manning explains, in first century Palestinian Judaism, It was legally forbidden to mingle with sinners who were outside the law. Table fellowship with beggars, tax collectors, and prostitutes was a religious, social, and cultural taboo. What's more, in the Middle East, to share a meal with someone is a guarantee of peace, trust, fraternity, and forgiveness. The shared table symbolizes a shared life. For an Orthodox Jew to say, I would like to have dinner with you, is a metaphor implying I would like to enter into friendship with you. Jesus demonstrated to people by eating with them that they belonged first. Jesus loved to eat, not because he loved food, not because he was a foodie, but because he loved people. So if you're following Jesus' Instagram, Jesus had an Instagram account, uh, and you looked at the pictures he took, he wouldn't have pictures of food that he ate. He would have pictures of people that he ate with. And you might notice that some of them looked a little rough. Because some of the people Jesus ate with were top-notch sinners. Which is really good news for all of us, because we were all there at one time. But if you've been a Christian for some time, uh, it's, it's easy to get kind of a spiritual amnesia. Where you forget where you came from. That you were lost. Like we talked about in the first week of the series, that you were in low divide, right, With no hope, no future, no way to save yourself. And God our King brought you to the table of grace and made you a part of this family. So back in high school, I went on this mission trip to uh, kind of this halfway house in downtown Chicago uh, for kind of people getting back on their feet. And one of the guys that worked there, his name was Michael. Michael was an ex-drug dealer. Uh, He said that he had been the the leading ecstasy, one of the leading ecstasy dealers in the country, which I didn't know they kept records for that kind of stuff. But (laughs) apparently there's a list, and he was at the top of it. Michael ended up giving his life to Christ, and his life was just radically changed. He said that he had flushed all his product, and uh, he'd gotten a, a job in sales, which seemed right to me, but seemed like a good transition for him. And he also volunteered at this mission. And Michael just had this like, ravenous hunger for the things of God. So, so we ended up getting to know each other a little bit, and Michael had this regular Bible study that he led at the mission in downtown Chicago. And so one evening, some of us went to this Bible study. So we're sitting at the table, getting ready to start, and Michael introduces me to this woman sitting next to him, said that it was his friend. So I'm just trying to make some small talk, and I asked her, like, I said, like, what do you do? She said, well, I'm a dancer. And like a dummy, I said, something to the effect of, oh, neat, like ballet? And she looked at me, and she's like, no, not ballet. And then I realized what she was what she was talking about. And the sad and really embarrassing thing is, when I think back to the to that Bible study, the thing I remember the most about it is not like the beautiful interactions I had with the people there, or the way I re- raised I related to the folks in the group. The thing I remember most about the Bible study was just how uncomfortable I was. And here's what I've discovered. Here's what I've learned since then. When I'm uncomfortable with people who are different than me, that means that I have some insecurities, right? It says more about my insecurities than it does their lifestyle. Jesus was never uncomfortable with people that were different than him. In fact, the people who were most different than him were the most drawn to him. He was like a magnet for lost people. And maybe you're here today and you feel really far from God. And if that's the case, I'm glad you're here because that's where uh, the story we're going to look at Levi was, and we're going to look at this at Levi's story found in Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, we'll pick it up in verse 27. It says this. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Now we talked about this before. Tax collectors were despised, right? Um, they were the worst. It was, it was taught that if you were a tax collector, you were too far gone to repent, that Jesus had turned his back on you. And it says, Jesus saw this tax collector by the name of Levi, which is a strong Old Testament name. Uh, Actually, the descendants of Levi were to be priests. So maybe Levi's mom and dad had dreams of who he would become one day, that one day he would serve God, and now he's serving Rome. He's a traitor. He's betrayed his people. And the text says that Jesus saw a tax collector named Levi. And when Jesus saw him, he didn't see him how other people saw him. Other people saw him like the scum of the earth. Not a whole lot of people made eye contact with Levi, but the rabbi Jesus made eye contact with him, saw him, and he walked over to his booth, and we'll pick it up there. Follow me, Jesus said to him. Jesus got up, left everything, and followed him. So follow me, two words, two words, Now, what what could have Jesus said to Levi? Jesus could have said a lot of things. Uh, He could have said, Levi, why don't you get yourself together? Or Levi, you should be ashamed of yourself. Or hey, Levi, I bet your mom and dad are real proud. But Jesus said, follow me. And follow me is a statement of belonging. Jesus said, you belong with me. And this would have blown Levi's mind, because the religious teachers were saying that when he had become a tax collector, God had taken a Sharpie and marked his name out, right? Couldn't even repent anymore. Too far gone. Jesus reveals where the world uses a Sharpie, God uses a highlighter, it says. That one belongs to me. And I think Jesus chose Levi, the tax collector, so that we would know there's, that there's nothing that excludes us from the love of God, that the invitation is always there for every single one of us no matter where we find ourselves every day of our life the invitation is always there to follow him jesus said come and follow me and levi got up and left everything he left a very lucrative job he left his material possessions he left a position of power and he follows jesus and it says then levi held a great banquet for jesus at his house and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them now i love this jesus says levi follow me and levi's like where are we going are going to the temple? Are we going to the synagogue? Jesus is like, nope, we're going to have a party at your house. And Levi, I want you to invite all your friends. And so all of his friends come in, and it says it was a large crowd. So a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating there. Others is a nice way of saying well-known sinners. These are people who were at the top of the ranking polls for sin. And Jesus has a party with them and it's a great party. Now I'm not sure if you've been to a great party or that you remember it, but <laughs> what makes a great party? <clears throat> the food? Not really. The location? No. It's the people that are there. Do you know anybody who's just so secure in themselves that when, when they're around other people, other people just like relax? It just they just put people at ease. Jesus was like that. Jesus was so secure in who he is that everybody else was just at ease around him. Jesus was not uncomfortable with people that were different from him. And the people who are most different than him were most drawn to him because of the love and the grace that he radiates. Now, tax collectors and sinners are cool with this party. Jesus is cool. The disciples are cool with it. But there's a group of people who aren't very cool with it. And look at verse 30. It says, But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belong to their sect complained to the disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to, repent, to repentance. See, the Pharisees and the religious leaders, they were the good and moral people. And they, they would not come to a party like this because the Pharisees were concerned with Contamination. We all know about contamination. Contamination happens through proximity. For example, physically, if you're healthy and you come into contact with a person that has germs and viruses, you may be healthy, but the unhealthy contaminates the healthy. That's how it works. That's the way the physical world works. The Pharisees and the religious leaders believe that works spiritually as well. They believe that the clean became unclean through contact with the unclean. So by Jesus eating with, coming into contact with people who didn't live the right way, who cheated people, didn't obey the religious laws, didn't follow God, didn't worship, Jesus was going to be defiled. But Jesus comes along and just blows that out of the water. He smashes the dietary laws. He completely ignores the clean and unclean laws. He ignores all kinds of those laws and just just infuriates and shocks the Pharisees. In fact, there's a story in Mark where a leper comes and throws himself at Jesus' feet. Now, leprosy, in those days, was not by any means just a disease. It was a total condition. Physical, social, spiritual. Physically, of course, to be a leper meant you were like literally falling apart. It was a skin disease. It was literally eating you alive. It was life of pain and misery. Socially, you were a pariah. You were contagious, and so you were not allowed to get anywhere near inhabited places. You had to stay out in the desert. Absolute emotional isolation from human community. If they even saw someone even coming near from a distance, they had to cry out, unclean, unclean. They were socially completely cut off. They were physically falling apart. Spiritually at the time, most people thought lepers were cursed by God. They were excluded from worship. They were excluded from the presence of God in community. Also, you were punished if you came near a leper. There was one piece of the the rabbinical writings of the time that says if a leper stands under a tree and a clean man passes under that tree, the latter becomes unclean. In other words, you couldn't even be in the same shadow of the same tree as a leper without becoming unclean. Everybody thought that leprosy was a judgment of God. So let's look at the story. Mark 1, 39 through 40. Jesus traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees. So this leper comes and throws himself at Jesus' feet, which was illegal, and he says this to Jesus, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now this is interesting, because the leper doesn't have to be healed, right? He doesn't say if you're willing, you can make me well, or if you're willing, you can heal me. He says if you're willing, you can make me clean. That meant clean before God, clean before his community, clean physically, he knew he needed it all, right? Complete transformation. And another thing that's incredible is the leper knows Jesus just has to want him clean. Jesus doesn't have to snap his fingers. He doesn't have to click his heels together. If Jesus simply wants him clean, he can make him clean and whole and healed, completely transformed. And that's what the leper knows. Do you know what Jesus does? It says next, Jesus reached out his hand, touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately, he was cleansed of his leprosy. Now, the man just said, <clears throat> and we all know, Jesus does not have to touch him. Jesus can just want it. So why does he touch him when he doesn't have to? Jesus is touching him simply because his soul needs it. Jesus is doing it out of love. He's touching a man who's absolutely starved for love. It says Jesus was filled with compassion, right? Jesus was moved from the depths of his being by love And he reaches out and he says, I'm with you. I'm here for you. And we find out later, Jesus does not go off, as he's supposed to, to the ceremonial cleansing. He doesn't go to the priest and the Levite so that he could go through all the cleansing rituals to be made clean. Here's what he's doing. Throughout all of history, when the infected comes into contact with the healthy, the healthy become infected. If Katie has a cold and I'm lying in bed listening to her cough, there's no chance my wellness is going to make her better. There's a real chance her sickness will make me sick, right? When the unclean comes into contact with the clean, the clean always, in the past, become unclean. All religion is based on this. Religion says you have to try very hard, to become a good enough for heaven, and stay away from people who are unclean. Well, with Jesus, it works in reverse. His holiness was not defiled by us. His holiness healed our unholy. By touching the leper, Jesus is saying, I am cleanliness itself. Anything and anyone I touch, anyone I have a relationship with, no matter how defiled you feel, no matter what your record, no matter what you've done, no matter how ashamed you are of yourself or your past, no matter what's been done to you, no matter how stained, no matter how low you feel, no matter how ashamed you are, no matter how guilty you are, I can make you instantly clean. And the Pharisees did not like that. Because the religious way is, you believe right, behave right, and then maybe you can belong. And Jesus says to Levi, you belong to me. Jesus didn't talk about belief. He didn't talk about behavior. He said, come follow me. First thing he asks is, can we have dinner together? And after you hang out with me for a while, I'll teach you the truth. You can believe. And once you believe, then we'll, then we'll work on behavior. We will begin to transform your life from the inside out. All that will come. But for now, can we have dinner today? This is the beauty of Jesus. He is infinite in power. He could have told Levi to bow before me, the maker of the universe. But he comes to him and us with love and humanity. There's a quote. I didn't write the name. It that. Can you put a quote up? What's the name at the end real quick? John Gerstner. Okay. John Gerstner said this. I couldn't remember. I didn't write it down. In Jesus Christ... We see virtues combined that never anywhere else are combined. We see tenderness without weakness, strength without a milligram of harshness, humility without one ounce of uncertainty. You see unbending conviction and yet complete and utter approachability. You see power without the slightest insensitivity. You see passion without the slightest prejudice. You see total integrity without any rigidity, never unthinking, never a false word, never a misstep. Jesus gave the belonging first. And this ticked off the religious community because what did Levi have to do to earn the invitation from Jesus? Nothing. See, they worked very hard to earn their right standing with God. But here's what they didn't understand. You can't earn a relationship. And the Pharisees, they're ticked because Jesus is messing with their whole deal and so they're complaining to the disciples and Jesus answers. He says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Come to call the righteous, not, not to come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Like, don't you get it? I haven't come to call the people who think they've got it all together. Come to call the people who know that they don't have it together. Come to call the people who know they're messed up. One commentator I read said that Jesus got himself killed for the way he ate. Jesus gave his life so that, he, that we could belong to him, so that we could be made right in right relationship with him. And the way that Jesus ate, especially in the story of Levi, reveals some things about him. First one again, Jesus leads with belong. Jesus didn't ask Levi to clean up his act or get his stuff together before he invited him to follow. Second thing we see is that Jesus always comes toward sinners. There's nothing about what you've done or your past that would cause Jesus to turn away from you. Jesus comes towards you. Jesus always moves towards the mess. He didn't turn his back on us when we needed him most, but he came toward us to save him. And then number three, Jesus loves those unlike him. Jesus loves those unlike him. It is natural, it's just a natural human tendency to gravitate toward people who are like us. The natural tendency is to kind of insulate and isolate ourselves with people who act like us and think like us what we see from Jesus is that people who were unlike him, they were actually drawn to him. Which begs the question we've got to ask ourselves. Those of us who are followers of Jesus, personally, how are we doing loving people who are different than us? Is Christ so present in our life that there's a gravitational pull for people who are different than us? Jesus created such an environment of love, and grace and peace and acceptance that he drew people who were completely different than him. As a church, Scripture says that we are the body of Christ. That means we are the physical, tangible expression of Christ's values here on the earth. And so the idea is that people could come around us and they would belong and they would hang out maybe for weeks, maybe for months, maybe even years until they believe. And then after they believe, then God will begin to work on their heart and work on their lives and transform them from the inside out. And that as a church, as the body of Christ, we would demonstrate the order that Christ gave us. When, when the church does this, man, it's beautiful. Belong first. Levi had no idea what was on the other side of him saying yes to follow Jesus. He had no idea that he would get a front row seat to see the ministry of Jesus. No idea that he'd get to be in close proximity for amazing miracles. No idea that he would get to hear the greatest teaching the world has ever heard. He had no idea that he would get to see an empty tomb or that he'd get to be in the presence of the resurrected Christ. He had no idea that he would get to write one of the best-selling books of all time because Levi was his Hebrew name. Matthew was his Greek name. He wrote the Gospel of Matthew. God used a tax collector, the lowest of the low in that culture, and through Jesus saying, you belong with me first. used him to write words that we read today to tell the story of how God can transform your life. Amen. Amen. To the ministry team, start to make their way to the front as I pray. Uh, They'll be up here ready and excited to pray with you after the service if you'd like prayer. Don't leave without getting prayer if you'd like prayer. Okay, let's pray. Father... We thank you for loving us. We thank you for sending your Son to reveal your heart, to reveal your love, and to rescue us. God, I pray for those of us today that maybe have gotten so wrapped up in our own spirituality that we've missed your heart. Maybe we've turned off our love towards people different than us. Maybe we've turned off our love toward a certain group of people. Maybe we've turned off our love toward a certain person. And today, we're just, we're just. You're calling us to come back towards you and repent. So we're asking you, Father, to help us. Lord, help us to lead with belonging. Help us to love people that are different than us. God, maybe would be so much like your son, Jesus, that people would be drawn to the Christ in us. And Father, I just want to pray right now for those who are in this room who have never started to follow you, those who have never said yes to you. Your invitation today is the same that it was for Levi. Follow me, follow me. If you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus, but as I'm I'm talking here, something is resonating in you, maybe it's buzzing in you since you first came in, I just encourage you to surrender your life to him. Surrender your life to him and let his love just pour into your life. And if you make that, that decision, just I'm going to give up controlling my own life, I'm going to live for him, today I want to begin to follow Jesus, I would encourage you to come up after I'm done and pray with one of these folks from the prayer team up here. They would love to pray with you and help you begin a relationship with Jesus. And the prayer isn't magic. The decision to make Jesus your Lord is the important thing. So come on up if you'd like to begin that relationship with the Lord. So Father, I pray that all of us will continue to follow you so that the world will know your love and your grace. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Everybody say it. Amen. Amen.